first time that I watched Honey Boy, I was expecting Winnie the Pooh, but truly I got much more of an Eeyore vibe. You're listening to The Clemson Take with hosts Nate Newworth and Sean Place, a weekly podcast where we discuss movies, old and new. So this week we watched Honey Boy. Honey Boy is a 2019 film directed by Alma Harrell, written by Shia LaBeouf, and starring Shia LaBeouf, Noah Lupe, and Lucas Hedges. Follows a movie star, Otis, as he goes through rehab and relives his childhood through the memories that he writes down. It is based on LaBeouf's real life. This movie is an Amazon Prime original produced by Amazon. And if you have a Prime account, you can watch it for free and stream it on there, which is what we did. But before we get into that, Sean, what have you been up to on the movie viewing? Well, I started off the week with a movie that has been on my list, I think, since the beginning. I, I don't remember exactly when it came out. It came out at some point last year. Heard a lot of good things about it. Finally got to see it because it's on Amazon Prime now as well, The Farewell. It is a Chinese movie starring Aquafina. It is about death and a very different cultural approach to it than we have in the States. And it was uh, it was a very sad movie, but it was worth watching. I enjoyed it. I also watched Groundhog Day. I'd, Classic. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it this year. The actual day snuck up on me. So I was late to it, but I, I had to sneak in my yearly watch at some point, and I finally got around to it. I watched The Dawns Here Are Quiet, which was a Soviet film for one of my classes. I can't tell how much I enjoy this movie because... Uh, whenever I sat down, I thought it was going to be an hour and a half because that's what it said. And then I got to the end and I found out that Amazon had it broken into two parts. Oh, no. So I still had another hour and a half. So I kind of tuned out for the second bit. It seemed all right, but I, I would, it would take a rewatch before I could recommend it to anyone. Dang. And then I watched Stalingrad, which was a, I think, 2013 film that was kind of like a it was a it was another Russian movie. Uh, it was like a Michael Bay style look all right uh stalingrad it was kind of cheesy over the top there was a part where they ricocheted a rocket off of a tank to bend it around a corner it was silly yeah kind of (laughs) campy what about you nate i watched branded to kill which is a seijun suzuki film from 1967 this is the same guy that did tokyo drifter Okay. So Branded to Kill is like a weird noir kind of, it is just, this movie's out there. And this is the film that got him fired from Japanese cinema. (laughs) Deservedly? I mean, okay, if you look at it film from an academic standpoint, which is kind of how I watched this film, or at least how it was presented to me, I mean, it is worthy of an analysis but for if you're just like casual Friday night, like I'm going to sit down and watch a film because I want to enjoy it. Like, yeah, it's not this film. And the thing is, this was widely distributed in Japan. This was like a feature release. Okay. And it does have violence and extreme nudity. And it's basically about a guy, a assassin. It's kind of like the John Wick of 1967 in Japan except with more noir, like he's an assassin. He's the third best assassin. So he's not the mm-hmm. best. He's the third best. Okay. And when he denies orders, the other assassins are sent to kill him, but he's also like addicted to sex at the same time. So if John Wicks and James <laughs> Bond decided to raise a child yeah. together, that's what it would be. That's... It's black and white. Um, I definitely thought it was weird. Probably won't watch it again, but <laughs> okay. Seijun Suzuki is the guy who had like a big effect on Quentin Tarantino. Interesting. 
I then watched The Third Man, which is a 1949 film, and it was voted by, to be the best British film ever made. Wow. It takes place in post-war Austria. It was filmed in location in Vienna, the, like the rubble and stuff. And it's about a friend. So it stars Orson Welles, who did Citizen Kane. And it, if you know anything about history, he did the big War of the Worlds on the radio. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so stars him and one of his friends that also did Citizen Kane with him. And his friend goes to Vienna looking for him and he thinks he's dead. And it's about like him realizing who his friend has become kind of thing. And best British film out there is what they say. Uh, the soundtrack is famous. It uses a, a zither to, for the entire soundtrack. And apparently the soundtrack was like one of the biggest hits of the 1950s. Movie came out in 49. So Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'd definitely, I definitely recommend it at least once to watch it. Okay. A uh, quick interesting observation is that the Japanese made a film where they have the third best hitman. The Americans make a film with the best hitman. The British make a movie called The Third Man. And just two years ago, the Americans made a movie called The First Man. It was the moon landing. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. Maybe we have big heads, but hey. I don't see the British going to the moon. Exactly. (laughs) And then the one I'm currently, I have to finish, I'm watching it right now, is The Return of Martin Gare. It's a French film. It won Best Foreign Language Film in, I think, 1983. It came out in 1982. So the 1982 Oscar Awards have won Best Foreign Film. And it's supposedly the most historically accurate film ever made. Like you were supposed That's to, quite a claim. yeah, you're supposed to watch this film, and it it is like a biopic in a way. Have you seen Inglorious Bastards, Night? I think that's pretty historic, <laughs> yeah. too. Uh, but this film ha- has that claim, and many historians and many people are like, yes, this is. Wow. So it takes place in 1582, and in the French countryside, and it's based off of actual historical like court proceedings so basically the in 1582 around that time this guy came back to his village so when he was because back then people got married like 14 15 right right? so he left his village after like he got married i guess he had i don't know how much of it is fiction at this point but basically the real story is this guy got married he was a farmer he left four years later he comes back he said he joined the army to go fight in the French-Spanish wars that were going on at the time. And his father-in-law accused him of not being the real Martin Gare. And so they took him to court over it. And so it's kind of weird because, like, how much can you change in four years that no right. one recognizes you? Right. But the whole thing is about him coming back and people thinking he's an imposter and not the real Martin Gare. So. Interesting. I feel like it's kind of cheating to claim that your movie is the most historically accurate ever and then have it be from the 1500s, right? Not like it, like if you made a movie and, and based in 1950, like there are people who can come forward and they're like, well, this one detail wasn't quite accurate because I lived it. But 1500s, we're just like, we're just going off things that were written down. Yeah, I mean, but that's what they I say. Mean, they, they can have the claim. I just, I and thought it was I funny. Think, and yeah, I think if you even like look up IMBD, like best biopics, it's like in the top 10. Wow. So people... People like it, so, um, but I'm working through that one. For this week, we will sort of be returning to our what's meant to be our default format where we have our open take and our closed take. The closed take, of course, being where we get into spoilers. Open take being where we give just some basic information about the movie and if you, to try to interest you and see if you want to watch it yourself. yourself. <laughs> see if you want to watch it yourself. See if you want to watch it yourself. Thank you very much. 
but also we have some sponsors again this week. We do. And we love having Stetson Hats support us. They are the Cadillac of hats. If you're looking for a hat, a wool hat, any style, they got it. If you want to make a statement, you got to go with Stetson. I've been saying since day one that they're the Cadillac of hats. <laughs> I'm glad that, that that's caught on because, wow. Yeah, no. I, who doesn't say that? I I mean, I went to Jackson Hole once. Yeah. I mean, they are a little bit on the pricey side, but like, I mean, you're not going to pay bargain price for a Cadillac. You're not going to, they're a little ex- expensive, but if you're looking for a statement, if you're looking to wow someone. Can I go so far as to say that the Cadillac is the Stenson of cars? Holy shit. Not <laughs> <laughs> to blow your mind, man. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you guys don't mind language, Stenson, if you're out there. You better be because you're paying us a lot of money to say this. I know. This is also sponsored by the CDC. Oh, yes. Uh, they're doing, I, uh, I don't know if they're doing a good job or not. Uh, we have <laughs> two cases in South Carolina of coronavirus as of filming. One of them is where my brother lives in Charleston County. The other is where my parents live in Kershaw County. That means Sean's screwed. Yeah, I'm screwed. But, hey, here for, what's the saying? Here for a good time, not for a long time. Yeah, come at me, coronavirus. (laughs) That's a challenge. That is a challenge. And we do have some news, some interesting news. We do. Sean, why don't you go first? Okay, Uh, this one weighs heavy on the heart. You already mentioned very briefly, you mentioned his name before, James Bond. Moment of silence. And we also, of course, mentioned... I blew right through the moment. So. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I have my line prepared. We also mentioned the coronavirus just a moment ago. And the release of No Time to Die, the next installment, the last of Daniel Craig's career in the James Bond franchise, has been pushed back. It was going to come out sometime in April. Beginning of April. And now it's looking like November. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Which stinks, because that was kind of like piece de resistance for this podcast. We were kind of looking forward to I that know, one this film. This is what I was building up towards. I've got my box collection of James Bond. It's, it's something that I'm known for, I feel like. I feel like both of us have uh, very strong ties to the character. Yeah. And we've been looking forward to it quite a bit. And it was pushed back because they're worried about people, like the numbers. They're not worried about people spreading the coronavirus. They're worried that people won't go see the film because right. of the virus. So... They got pushed back to November award season time for movies. That's true. I, it would have to be, I think, a damn good James Bond movie for a James Bond movie to win. I know. Skyfall is one of my favorites. So if it beats Skyfall, I'll be impressed. That would be quite something. But if you're out there, I don't know what her name is. Albert Broccoli's daughter, who is, you know, Broccoli, the guy who <laughs> is one of the main producers and has always been on James Bond. And now his daughter is involved. If you're out there, just know I'll come out and get the coronavirus anyway if you put this movie out now. We're willing. We're willing. So, you know, you won't lose our money. So if you just want to go ahead and put it out anyway. Yeah, or you can send us an exclusive copy. That's true. We could give an advance review on here. It would be only open take. We wouldn't give spoilers away. It'd just be us sitting there going, oh my gosh. Truly. It would be mutually beneficial, I would think. And another interesting bit of news, which last week we went over Saw Parasite, discussed Parasite, and its foundational moment at the Oscars. Well, it's not the last you've seen of it. HBO is working on a miniseries for Parasite. I don't know if it'll be named 
Parasite. I assume it will be, but I don't think its title has been released yet. And so there's been rumors floating around that Mark Ruffalo, of all people, has been working with the project, acting the project. And he finally confirmed the other day that, yes, he is involved with the project. He's talking with HBO and it looks like he'll at least produce it. But there are rumors floating around and still he hasn't confirmed whether he'll be playing the patriarch of the Kim family. So uh, the, the poor dad in the movie. And he has been working with director Bong Joon-ho on the script for it. So he's involved with the script, the production, and he might even star in it. So exciting stuff there. I feel lightly conflicted on this. I'm, I'll watch it. It's, it's, uh, the fact that Bong Joon-ho is involved in it means that, yeah, I'll watch it. And it makes me more confident. This was a movie where as soon as it came out, you know, because it is a foreign film, you worry that they're going to do like uh, a remake of it mm-hmm. in English and potentially kind of mess it up i definitely didn't expect him to do it this soon <laughs> yeah and then probably even if they they'd probably be like a year and a half until it got released because it sounds yeah. like they're still in like the script writing stages but it also will be filmed in english so right but if bong joon ho is involved then i'll, I'll be there for it begrudgingly you have to drag sean to the premiere <laughs> <laughs> no if you want to invite me to the premiere i'll, I'll go happily <laughs> so we're going to start out our open take if we don't have anything else before that name by just looking at Shia LaBeouf's career. And also, as you're pulling that up, Nate, uh, it's worth going over. So Shia LaBeouf, we said he stars in this movie, but he does not star as himself. He stars as his own father or the father of the character that's based off of him. For all intents and purposes, it is literally just his life. Noah Lupe plays young Shia LaBeouf. Lucas Hedges plays old Shia LaBeouf. Both do it. All, all three of those actors in this movie do a fantastic job. I agree. Yeah. I think the child acting exceeds all expectations for child acting and many expectations for any acting. I think Lucas Hedges does a fantastic Shia LaBeouf and I'm, I'm all for Lucas Hedges and everything. And then Shia LaBeouf is he, he plays a great his father. I assume I've never met him. It's kind of interesting how he based it off his life and he kind of changed the names a little bit, too. Right. That definitely surprised me. Because the first time I was watching it, I this was my second time watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Going into it, I definitely had heard that it was just a his life. It was a movie about his life. So it, it caught me off guard whenever they named the child Otis. It threw me for a loop. But whenever you watch it, as things unfold, it really is just Shia LaBeouf's life. Like Lucas Hedges is doing a Shia LaBeouf impression. And a very good one. Yes. And so that being said, I was watching the movie and I was like wondering what his dad had to say about the film because it is about Shia LaBeouf growing up, starting the movie industry. And it flips back between 1995 and roughly like 2010 ish. It was like 2012 at the very beginning of the movie. It was 2005. I assume that this, that's right. The rehab stuff wasn't exactly then. Cause it basing it off of what I remember, I'm sure you all have followed Shia LaBeouf's career to an extent, you know, that he blew up as a child, got really famous through things like Holes and then the Transformers films. And in my memory, I feel like the time that he quote unquote, like went off the deep end was after was post Transformers. Yeah, I think so. In my mind. So I would think it would be probably around that like 2012 ish mark, because the last one that he was in, it looks like was 2011. And so, like I said, I was wondering what his dad said or did. Now his Dad is a felon. He got into a sexual assault, sexual abuse case, uh, but he did fail 
to register as a sex offender from a 1981 conviction. And so in 2014, he fled to Costa Rica where he's been ever since. Wow. So in order for Shia LaBeouf to make this movie, he had to go to Costa Rica and talk to his dad. So between like rehab and like seeing his dad in Costa Rica, there was about seven years where they didn't talk at all. It kind of opened up this moment of maybe healing between the two in real life, not just in the movie and making it. And so, so Shia LaBeouf says, I went to Costa Rica and read him the script. I told him someone else was going to play him, which was a feather in his cap, a person he really looked up to. I bluffed my way into him getting him to sign the paperwork. And then after he signed the paperwork, I put it to him like, I'm playing you. And he looked at me in the, and he looked at me in a different way. And then his dad's name is Jeffrey. So he said, Shai said Jeffrey didn't believe his son could pull off playing him, but his reaction was different after he saw the movie. Quote, he knows that I really see him from the inside, Shai told this, this news source. I think that uh, I think all my dad ever wanted was for nobody to be upset with him. Now it feels like he's given me a legacy. I also, I, I have to laugh just because the line there where he says, you know, I see inside of him now. It reminds me of the line at the end where he says, his dad says, I've been growing, son. And he goes, I know, dad, I can see. And he goes, no, dumbass, I'm growing weed on the side of the <laughs> <laughs> That moment made me laugh. But uh, yeah, so I think it's very interesting that Shia LaBeouf chose to play his dad right yeah i think so this movie it it's almost like sitting in on a therapy session with i mean there are literally scenes where he's in like rehab and basically therapy sessions but the whole thing as conglomerate like the final product of this feels like we're just getting some insight into shia labeouf's mind and it's a very fascinating one and i'm i'm very there for it and it seems it seems like he is a lot better now and in a better place not only because of the events that we see unfold in the movie, where he starts and where he ends. But also because, I mean, in real life right now, he it definitely feels like he's turning around his career, like getting to see him in a movie like Honey Boy, where he's writing. And it's, I think, a damn good movie. Yeah. Very well written, very well acted, well directed as well. We mentioned Alma Harrell. That was her first movie. Yes. But then also in the same year, he was in The Peanut Butter Falcon, which I haven't gotten to see yet, but I know received a lot of acclaim and is high up on my list of movies that I want to see. And so... This this movie revolves around the emotional damage that Shia LaBeouf received from his father and the kind of abuse his father put him through. And PTSD. Yeah, and he gave Shia LaBeouf PTSD. And we have to note that his father also had PTSD. He did three tours in Vietnam. Yes, he served his country several times and as a result went through his own, I'm sure, psychological damage, which he had coped with through uh, alcoholism and drugs and in, in the movie, his father does attend double A meetings. He still does drugs. Well, he eventually. Yeah. For a while, it seems like he's, although even while he's sober, he's working up towards it because he's growing weed yeah. on the side of the highway. Yeah. But as far as alcohol goes, I don't think in the film we actually see him drink. So I don't No, I don't think we do either. But so as far as yeah. I know, and he does say he in the movie he had been sober for four years. Yeah. So from 91 to 95, he had been sober, at least from alcohol. Right. So now we're going to move into a little bit more of the closed take portion of the show. So if you haven't seen the movie, we do actually recommend watching it. Absolutely. It's entertaining and it gives you this sense of what, because everybody kind of gave Shia LaBeouf a hard time. I think they were like, oh yeah, he's crazy. He went off the deep end. But watching this movie, you can kind of see this, why that is. And so if you don't want spoilers, we recommend stopping now and watching the movie and you can come back and listen to us later. Right. I definitely don't think it's a movie that's like, it's not going to be ruined by spoilers because I think so much of it is publicly known. And it's also like an emotional draw, like us just talking about it in monotone. 
won't give you the same feeling that you get from watching it. Wait, are you saying movies are different than podcasts? They are. Like, this is a cinematic experience, Sean. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, though. But that being said, yes, I do recommend that you take the time to actually watch this movie before you hear us get into the nitty gritty of it. And I would like to start out, because Sean didn't know this the first time, there <gasps> is a post-credits scene. There is a very, very short one. It's like a post-credits shot. Which I'm a fan of. I, I, uh, I think I prefer... I think that's my favorite way of doing it rather than having like long drawn out. Like a Marvel kind of thing. Right. I like just this, what they did where it just cuts back to him sitting on his dad's motorcycle, young Shia LaBeouf staring out at us, the beginning of his journey. Cause the first shot of the movie actually is him also just staring into the camera, into the camera. It starts off on the set of transformers. (laughs) Yeah. Which is quite funny. (laughs) Yeah. Cause the movie starts off. And you know, you have like the beginning title sequence in here. Like, what the hell? I thought this movie's about to supposed to be about an abusive father. And then you've got Lucas Hedges just kind of staring dully at you. And one thing that I thought was super fresh that I even mentioned it during the movie was when they have the clickboard, you know, in movies they have the cut or, you know, take one. And they have the clapboard come down. Instead of having like all the information there, it went, it just said 2005. And it gave you the time period. Fresh. And then whenever it cuts to younger one, he steps out and it's 1995. Oh, yeah. Very nice. It was. It was It was refreshing to watch. Yes. And they even, following that, they mirror the shots of them walking off set or they're rubbing down the back of their neck with this little hand towel. It's like it's the beginning of his journey. Yeah. And it – this movie – has like you're basically shaky cam it wants you to feel like you're in Shia LaBeouf's shoes it does a very good job it's very raw usually I I definitely prefer stability when it comes to cameras in movies like I I I definitely prefer uh, a steadier shot Mm -hmm. but I think like I can definitely watch this and I know why the like the handheld is what they used and it it definitely works for this movie I think so as well favorite scene Oh, we're jumping straight into favorite scene. Yeah. Um, I feel like, so you you go first because I can transition mine, I think, into a couple of other points that I have. Okay, because I have a favorite scene and a not favorite scene. Okay. Well, not favorite moment. Moment that they did something that I just, it ruined the moment for me. So my favorite scene, I think, has to be the hardest to watch. And that is when his father is lying on the bed and he's standing in the doorway. They live in a motel. And mm-hmm. he's standing in the doorway and he goes through this moment of where his dad is telling him that he loves him and stuff, but it's not real. And it turns into like this big shouting match about how he's not a good dad. And then Shia LaBeouf playing his dad smacks the crap out of real Shia LaBeouf. Right. And so it's well, not like crap. I mean, he smacks him, but yeah. not unless, I mean, there have been harder hits, but yeah. we're not going to defend him. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to defend him because he's already emotionally abusive towards his son. Right. But I feel like if his he wasn't emotionally abusive, the hits wouldn't have come off as like physically abusive because they weren't necessarily hard. I think the first one was pretty hard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but and the hits had more of an impact because he was right. emotionally abusive right, right, more right. than it was like raw, like smack on the face. Right. I agree with that. But I think that's my favorite moment just because it's, it is so hard to watch. Right. I think there, cause that's, there's also another scene, I think not too far before that there are, there are a couple scenes where that are very raw of them just sitting in their motel room having some very deep, messed up discussions about the relationship. And it gets quite emotional. And that Noah Lupe or Lupe or whatever, he really shines in those moments. Yeah, good on him. Your not favorite scene? 
my not favorite scene. So there's just some backed story on this scene is later in the movie, we see Shia LaBeouf saying how his dad takes credit for things that aren't his. Like even in the double A meetings, he's like, when he confesses things, they're not really 100% his confessions. Right. And he says that like the shares, the amount of time or whatever that he has, uh, that he says he's been sober is kind of like an amalgamation of other people's shares as well. Yeah. So, but it's in one of these AA meetings where his dad, so it's Shia LaBeouf talking. Right. But he's playing Jeffrey LaBeouf. So Jeffrey mm. LaBeouf I know, is t- talking in the double A meeting about his past and like his parents and stuff like that. Kind of an emotional scene. And during the monologue, they do the worst possible thing and they cut. They so it's like a front forward, it's like a front close-up mm-hmm. of it of Jeffrey LaBeouf, and it's like slowly panning in as he's talking about his family, and then they cut to like a side profile view. And I'm like, no, why did you do that? That just took you out of the space immediately. Yeah. And so the monologue in the moment still worked, but it was just when you, I, I, I don't know if there was something wrong with the other take and they just had like Frankenstein yeah. those two moments together. And like, that's the best they could do. It certainly oh, does. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Cause they like, they obviously weren't shooting those two things at the exact same time. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if it was like, all right, let's take one from this angle, one from this angle. And they're like, oh, well, this part's good and this part's yeah. good. But we'll just throw them together because maybe shooting had already wrapped and stuff like that. But it's like watching something where they do shot, reverse shot, where like, you know, like if there are two people face to face having a conversation and you're like, these were shot separately. Yeah. And it just keeps cutting. It out. just, yeah, the editing was very obvious and it was enough, at least for me, to take me out of the moment because okay. you were like panning in, panning in, panning in. Like, wow, like this is Shia LaBeouf's monologue. And then, oh, Here's another monologue, and it's like it was just obvious, and I didn't like it. Well, just to play devil's advocate, because maybe now if I go back and watch it, I would not enjoy it. But I didn't notice it in the moment. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to that specific part. But at the very least, it I guess didn't take me out of it because I didn't yeah. notice it. I maybe it will next time. Thanks for ruining that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just for me, it was like I, I guess like to compare it to like Daniel Day Lewis's performances in Lincoln, the 2012 mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln movie. It's that is a ex- directed by Steven Spielberg is in it just in case you want to watch it <laughs> is such a talky movie. I mean, there's so yeah. much dialogue, but Daniel Day Lewis pulls it off and they let the camera linger yeah, on these. Does. <laughs> the camera movement hangs on to these monologues and it makes you feel like you're in the room. And so you're granted, this is Alma's first movie and Steven Spielberg's like 30th movie. So right. it's like, you know, but that being said, it's you feel like you're in the room when Abraham Lincoln is talking because they don't cut during these monologues at all. And it's like, one, it's impressive. Like, dang, how many monologues did Daniel Day-Lewis memorize? He's staying in character a long time. I think the average shot second in Hollywood is like six to eight seconds. You have to hold a performance. Right. So it's just, and from that view, it's impressive as well. So when they made that cut, I was like, ah, man, like, like I really wanted it to be more. Like I just, in my mind, that was like Shia LaBeouf's start, like, moment in the film for him to play his dad and there was a cut and it was like ah right my favorite scene and one that i'm going to transition into us talking about the relationship between the father and the son it's not it's not necessarily i I like the scene i wouldn't say it's my favorite by itself like as a Mm -hmm. standalone scene but in terms of what it means to the movie i think is where it kind of elevates itself and it's after shia labeouf lucas hedges shia labeouf goes out into the woods and screams as loud as he can all alone by himself as this therapeutic moment. And then he goes back and talks to uh, this guy at the rehab place who recommended that he do it. 
one, it's it's a fun scene just because it's Lucas Hedges, I think, at his most Shia LaBeouf. Just like these weird jerky movements where like he's walking back and forth. He gets like awkwardly close to him as he's talking and just sort of stares at his chin while he talks to him. Yeah. It's really bizarre, but it's kind of funny to watch. Um, but the main thing for me that stuck out about this is as he's leaving the guy's office, he slams the door behind him. And the guy gets up and he follows him and he opens the door and he calls after him. It's like, Shia, it's like, come back here. He comes up and he says, like, you know, you slam my door. Like, do you know how to close the door gently? And he says, yeah, you push with one hand and you pull with the other. Which to me is very much, obviously, you read the article and it seems that they, he has maybe somewhat been able to rekindle a relationship with his father since then. But it feels very much like that's what we're watching between him and his dad throughout the movie. It's not so much that their bridge is being burned or that it's some sudden slamming of a door on his past life as it is just a slow process of his dad pushing him away and then sort of pulling him back in. Mm-hmm. And so it's the slower process of their relationship closing on him. And that's yeah, and it's, it's representative of him closing the door on his mental health issues and his it's, trauma and his all his trauma. So good scene, Sean. Thank you. Cause I also uh, two other quotes I wrote down that I feel like also one of them in particular lends itself more into this. And then we'll get really into the relationship. There's a moment where Shia LaBeouf says as his father, which I think is cool. Cause it's Shia LaBeouf literally telling himself you have to let go of your grudge or it will destroy you, which I'm sure he feels is what led him. And I'm sure what is what led him to that place in his life where he needed to be in rehab and was abusing alcohol and probably some other drugs as well and ended up in such a poor state. There's also the moment where he tells again himself, a seed has to totally destroy itself to grow which is sort of what he was going through, I guess, in this rehab process of rebuilding and redeveloping who he was, learning to create without letting his trauma completely rule him. Because we see that he doesn't totally want to let go of his trauma because he feels like that's how he creates, right? That it's his pain that influences his creativity and his works. And I mean, you, you can certainly see that because I mean, this whole movie is his trauma, even though it is also him letting go. But I wanted to talk about do you think, to what extent do you think his dad actually cares about him in this movie? Well, there is a scene where he's like, his dad's like threatening to go and like leave and stuff. And you have Shia LaBeouf, child Shia LaBeouf go, you're only staying because I pay you. Yeah. He said you wouldn't be here otherwise. And so that's really rough. I think Jeffrey LaBeouf, and I mean the way he's portrayed at least. Right. In those moments, I think he wants to care more. He realizes, first off, he realizes he's a bad dad. Yes, he definitely does. Second off, I think he realizes that he doesn't necessarily want to change or can't change. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like this internal struggle of his dad going or saying stuff like, I could leave, but I can't leave because you're paying me. But also I want to be a better dad and you're my son, but... Also, I'm a bad father, so like, why do I even try? And so, it's, I think it's I think it's a pretty even balance of struggle and power there. And it's like the it's like the old Native American saying, "Which wolf will inside you will win? The one you feed." Oh, very nice. Like so, that. so yeah, I think it's the uh, I think it's those I think it's that power dynamic, right? And I do I do agree. I had that line in mind because that's definitely the one where he says, you know, you wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. 
basically saying the only reason that you stick around and be my dad provide any care for me yeah is because i give you money and that's definitely the i think largest point in the negative but i i think i think that he does care about him and that he does love him i think he's just very insecure in that i mean obviously we see throughout the movie that like he won't hold his son's hand i feel like he he probably had some problems with his own father that made him feel certain ways about how a child should be raised he also obviously feels very insecure in his own abilities as a father. We see that whenever Tom comes from the big brothers uh, group and he is very angry that there's this guy who's sort of assuming the father role of his child. The fact that someone that his child would need a father figure, it I think definitely exposes his insecurities because he feels like he should be enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I obviously any father, they would like to think that they are good enough as a, a model that their child can learn from them and that they wouldn't need to turn to someone else. But then also his success, like as a star, I think also leads to some insecurity. He says later, you know, whenever his son saying, you know, why do you want me here? And his son says, well, you have good instincts. And he blows up and he's like, do I, do I? Cause I didn't make it. You made it. You're better than I ever was. And he keeps telling him, you know, I, I wish that I was you sometimes. Cause you know, you've got all these people like interested in you. You've got these girls recognizing you. You got paparazzi. And I think, that in some ways he finds it difficult to fully support his son at times just because he wishes that it could be him and he has trouble just living vicariously through him in that way. But there there are moments certainly where you see him being a good father, albeit briefly yeah. before he blows up in some way. Like one of the early scenes, he's walking along with him. They're going to do laundry and he's just making jokes, slightly offensive jokes. Uh, but he certainly enjoys them. I loved watching Shia LaBeouf laugh at his own jokes throughout this movie. And he makes one and he's sort of playing around, like not slapping his son in an abusive way, but like a light like tap on the face. And they're both laughing. And he kind of does something similar and hits his glasses and his dad immediately like, hey, don't do that. Don't touch my glasses. Watch where your hands are going. And it immediately becomes serious. And I think he, he just has issues with the power dynamic, certainly with his son paying him and being his boss. Yeah that lead to a lot of issues between them by no means a perfect father by no means even a good father even a good father certainly not the father that you would want and i mean if he had been a good father shia labeouf wouldn't have had to go to rehab or therapy or have ptsd yeah and so i asked myself what's this movie about it's about shia labeouf recovering from his mental trauma what's this movie really about and i think this movie is really about overcoming not just trauma but showing that forgiveness can be a more powerful tool than pain or hate right and so i think i think that's a lesson for all of us right now in america (laughs) you need to let go though you really really do because if shia labeouf had harbored this grudge and had held on to the hatred that he, I'm sure, felt for his father, then he would probably be drunk somewhere, rotting his brain away. And instead, he was able to just kind of tie up his past in a neat little, well, I say neat, it's a messy, I mean, it's messy because of the contents of it. But he ties the whole thing up in a bow and presents it as a creative work of art and actually makes something good out of it. And that's why the art should be funded. (laughs) At the New Earth Foundation, you can donate money and we will give it to children in need who... Don't have Stenson hats. (laughs) (laughs) Or or access to CDC care. Five dollars will get... Just five dollars donated today can get... That's less than a cent a day. Can get 
I don't understand the math. Nah. Well, five dollars a month, unless you're doing five dollars. Did you say five dollars a day? I think I said five dollars a day. Which oh, is oh, I, oh, I was okay. Confused. Oh, I thought you said five. Oh, okay, I guess I was thinking <laughs> like nineteen ninety nine a month, like five dollars a month. There are lots of children out there without stunts and hats. Unfortunately, I am a child with a stunts and hat. <gasps> but if you use promo code Clumps and Take on. Does, do you think Stenson even has a website? Oh, I guarantee you they do. Who orders? Do people order hats online? Yeah. I mean, if you know your hat size, yeah. they come in like yeah, 45, yeah, 46, right. 46 and a half kind of sizes. I don't know. I can't imagine someone ordering a Stenson. Grab that hat right now. Oh, Sean. Oh. Calamity here. Uh, for audio listeners out there, since we have no people who aren't audio listeners. <laughs> um we are currently examining the inside of Nate's So it says medium. Ooh. This is captivating stuff. Here. Whoa, I found a message I've never seen before. If you fold back like the sweatband, it says, I personally checked this hat. Hope you enjoy it. See Estrada. Carlos would be my guess. Carlos, that's a good guess. Yeah. Feels so it's a medium. Reasonable. So yeah, like medium large, but I also know hats coming. So yeah, I'm going to wear it right now. Should we, you know what, Nate? Our format is pretty fluid as it is. I propose that we introduce a new segment every week where we review a hat. <laughs> I do have plenty of them. I'm 100% in for this. Do you want to review hats? We're going to review hats. As a, as a brief, short thing that allows us to just improvise and show off our hat collection. <laughs> Mainly your hat collection. My hat collection. I do have quite a few ball caps. I'm down for it, Nate. We Let's just shook hands. hands. We shook hands. Oh, and Nate's... Mm. Mm. For those of you that couldn't see that, Nate and I have a special secret handshake where Nate kind of mashes his hand in all sorts of different directions on mine while I just hold it limply because I don't know <laughs> what to do. Do you have anything else you want to say? I, I think that's all I have to say about this movie. I don't believe we're going to have anything coming out next week because of spring break. That's right. So we'll probably take another about two weeks because we'll do yeah. a break for the 13th, the 14th, and then the actual spring break. So it'll be about another two or three weeks before we record another podcast. But instead of this time doing work, it'll be because we're relaxing. Ooh, we're going to come back refreshed, maybe, with some more hats. Ooh, yeah. Now I know what to look for in Chicago. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. We're going to travel far and wide to find the coronavirus. That's right. That's right. We're going to go to Chicago, and then you're going home. Yes. Which is the most dangerous territory right now. Absolutely, Kershaw County. You are going to enemy territory. I mean, you think there aren't cases in Chicago? There, there has to be. Oh, yeah. Probably like under some city lamp street yeah. somewhere. Some homeless guys suffering from Corona. Probably. Alcohol and virus wise. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent point. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to Kentucky, actually. Oh, very nice. I like, yeah. I like these uh, real life updates here. I feel like this has been probably the saddest movie we've watched. What movies have we I feel like it's the saddest. I mean, 1917 wasn't a happy movie, but it's. I feel like there's... This was a happy movie. It's about someone forgetting someone It is, it is, it is. I mean, it's a little hard to watch. Yeah. Both movies are hard to watch. Yes. They both... They're both dramas. They are. Only one of them has Shia LaBeouf there. And only one of them takes place in 1917. There's... <laughs> they're both Honey Boy. <laughs> no, no. That would be a weird twist. That would be a weird twist. So, yeah, we'll be back. I don't know if we know yet what movie we're watching. I feel like our whole schedule's been blown wide open now that James Bond got pushed back. I know, so we'll look into it. So stay tuned. Nate, where can people find you? At underscore underscore Naderate underscore. You can find me at Sean T. Place. You can also check out our website, theclemsontake.movie.blog. And our Instagram, at theclemsontake. 
And until next time. Well. Make sure you check the website and the Instagram for blog post updates, which hopefully will be coming soon. Yes. And also that'll be a good way to know when and what our next episode will be on whenever it does come out. And as always. Uh, uh, bye. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs>